so, so, so ba- ba- basically the the abortion debate is not really about whether or not the unborn is alive. That's what CNN wants us to believe the debate is about. What the debate is about is whether some human beings are more worthy than other human beings and whether we can play God and determine who lives and who dies. Okay? Um, first you get rid of unwanted unborn babies. Then you get rid of un, uh, unwanted babies already born. Then you get rid of the elderly and the handicapped. Then you eventually begin to uh, you know, get rid of people who don't agree with your views. And, you know, the only way, and I'll tell you, I've got even Christian colleagues with Ph.D. degrees that act like, no, that'll never happen. The the only, the, the assumption that it'll never happen again, that the Joseph Stalin butchering 20 million people and Hitler killing 6 million Jews and butchering them and that it'll never happen again. The only way that assumption makes any sense is if evolution is true. If man's evolving and getting better and better. And that is not the case. That is the, this has been the bloodiest century in the history of mankind. Uh, communist, have, communist nations have killed more people in this century than all the other people killed by wars in the history of mankind put together. And let me say this too, communist nations kill many times more people during peacetime than they do when they're at war. Because at least when they're at war they give their people rifles and they get to at least defend themselves against the other nation that they're at war with. Uh, When you're not at war with a Joseph Stalin, he begins his purge, his cleansing. Which eugenics basically means... uh, uh, good genes. As with Margaret Sanger, she only wanted people with what she thought were good genes. And then whenever people come up with that view, what they do is they look in the mirror and they say, okay, people who look like me, we're the master race and that type of thing. And, uh, um, but uh, don't, don't ever let anybody tell you it can't happen again. The Bible says it's going to happen again, but it's not going to be just in Nazi Germany. It's going to be a worldwide holocaust. Christians are going to be uh, put to death as well, and uh, it's going to be headed by the Antichrist ruling a one-world government. But look at Proverbs chapter 6. Uh, from verse 16 to 19, it mentions uh, seven things that the Lord hates. Uh, We'll just look at verses 16 and 17 there. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Okay? The Bible forbids the taking of innocent life. Look at, at Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Verses 37 and 37 and 38. It's talking about how the nation of Israel turned their back on God. It said, They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons 
and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with the blood. So the Bible over and over again prohibits the shedding of innocent blood. The reason why you put to death a, 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 someone guilty of first-degree murder uh, is because they forfeited their right to life by taking someone else's life. But when you talk about t the taking of innocent life, this is forbidden in the scriptures. Um, we don't have time to... Well, take a look, just look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1 and uh, verse 21. I'll just paraphrase the other verses that we have listed on the handout. The Bible teaches we're God's property. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20 tells us that believers, all believers, uh, their bodies belong to the Lord. We're His property. And He paid for us with a price. The precious blood of the Lord Jesus. He died for us. We belong to the Lord. We're His property. So when we live, we don't live uh, for ourselves. We live for Him. So if I'm going through, even if I was going through horrible pain, suicide is, is being selfish. Suicide is saying, I have the right to take my own life. Uh, the Bible says you don't. You belong, you belong to the Lord. Now that's believers. But the Bible also teaches in Psalm 50, verse 12, that the earth is the Lord's. Everything belongs to the Lord. Now, why is it, even animals belong to the Lord. Why is it okay to kill an animal and to eat an animal? Because God said it was. But he's the one who had to give us that permission, and he did. Why is it right to, to shed the blood of a convicted murderer? Because God commanded us to. Okay? Uh, but God, the giver of life, only he can rightfully take life unless he delegates some of that authority to us in certain instances. But take a look at Job, chapter 1, verse 21. Job said this, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What he was saying was, look, he said, hey, I'm serving God with everything I got, yet he's taken away all my wealth. And eventually he took away uh, Job's health. And, you know, people tried to, to talk him into uh, abandoning his faith in God, and he said, I couldn't. God's the giver of life. He's got the right to take life. Okay, that's why God could command the war in the Old Testament and tell the Israelites to kill every man, woman, and child. He's the giver of life. He has the right to take life. He knows things that we don't know. But we human beings do not have the right uh, to uh, take innocent life. Now, we don't have time to look there, but in Proverbs 31, 6 and 7, it tells us that give strong drink to somebody who's dying and who's was in pain. And that's what you're supposed to do with a person who's terminally ill, a person who's dying and is in horrible pain, you're supposed to basically, if we have drugs available to alleviate some of their pain, great, give that to them, but be by their side and comfort them. God calls us to comfort 
innocent, suffering people, not kill them. And it's real easy to say, oh, I did the guy a favor. I put him out of his misery. Hey, you did yourself a favor because you were going into debt. You didn't want to be bothered. It's like some lady, there's a big article in the Bremerton Sun. By the way, before I forget, I should point this out. Yeah, a lady wrote, there was an article in the Bremerton Sun, uh, a nurse who was pro-life, claimed to be pro-life at one time, but then when she was working on her nursing degree, she got pregnant. So she decided, I'm not going to be pro-life anymore. She had an abortion. And so they put this big article on showing that supposedly that through education, she learned abortion was okay. When in actuality, you, you just read the article at face value. Basically, her reasons for having an abortion was, hey, I had too much going for me. Here I am in the middle of my schooling. As soon as I finish up my schooling, I'll get myself a good job. In the, in the healing profession, you know, a nurse and stuff like that, and, and, you know, had so much going for me, I would have had to put that all aside. No way I would have graduated if I had to raise a baby. And so she really wasn't a good case for it. It just shows that at the root of it is selfishness. Now, in order to save the life of the mother, doctors throughout history have sometimes had have, to have, have had to decide to abort a baby and that was there was never as all that is is like a fireman runs into a burning building and knows he's only got time to go to one room and then get out and he hears screaming from both sides of the building he's gonna we're not gonna hold him accountable if he goes and saves to one side of the building saves one person and the other one dies we're not gonna hold him accountable for that death However, if the, if, if the firemen will go into the building, hear screams on both sides, say, well, I can't save both, so I'll save neither, and then leaves, then we're going to hold them accountable. And so sometimes you have dilemmas like that, but both the mother and the child should be considered human beings, and sometimes a medical decision has to be determined, hey, we got a 95% chance of saving the mother if we abort the, the child, uh, whereas if we try to save the child, the child only got a 20% chance and the mother would definitely die, you know. So, so there's always been medical tough choices. And anybody who acts, anybody tells you that abortion is for all these tough reasons, let me tell you, abortion to save the life of the mother uh, or for cases of rape and incest, you're talking about less than 2% of all abortions. So... Uh, what does the other 98% fall under? Convenience. We kill to make our lives more comfortable uh, in this country. Um, but this article, Tony Van Loo, I, I got the Bremen and Son this morning, but I didn't, didn't go out and get it because uh, sometimes my priorities aren't always right, and if the Raider football season has ended, why, why rush to get my newspaper and and see, you know, how many points the, the experts are predicting they're going to lose by later in the day. Uh, but article on the front page, Fate Smiled. And there's some people on there with smiles on their faces because uh, uh, they had surgery for Huntington's disease, which is a very serious uh, disease that attacks the brain and robs us of our control of our muscles and speech. And sometimes the, the, the power to, to uh, uh, think in this environment. Uh, and now these people, through modern techniques uh, and surgery, 
they're able to push that back, to slow it down, uh, sometimes significantly. But listen to what it says about this procedure. Uh, the experimental surgery used primarily for Parkinson's patients involves harvesting brain cells from aborted fetuses, taking a nerve from the patient's foot, and then it just goes on and just talks about uh, working it together with the fetal tissue. Uh, but basically, we're using parts of aborted babies for other people. You know, and, and it, there's uh, things are getting really crazy. There's a lot of people who are arguing that maybe we should do more and more of this kind of thing. Just you know, kill a bunch of people, babies or adults, whatever. Freeze them on ice, and whenever we need the parts, we got spare parts. You know, and and uh, I mean, and that's that's perfectly legitimate for your automobile. You go to Shucks and uh, you replace the carburetor or whatever. But automobiles are things. They're not human beings. And, uh, you know, I've, I've people tell me, uh, trying to argue for youth and age, they say, well, they shoot, if a horse breaks his leg, they shoot horses, don't they? And I say, yeah, because it's a horse. Okay? That human being, you think you end in somebody suffering, uh, Hey, uh, if you don't know Jesus, uh, what we go through in this life is not suffering when you compare it to what's, what's ahead. But uh, whatever the case, what should the Christian response be? Uh, point number one, the priorities will always remain the same. Dave Hunt is right on this point. Prayer, your communication with God, worshiping God, worshiping your God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who purchased you, uh, died on the cross for your sins, prayer, worship, studying God's word, evangelism, leading the lost to Christ, and discipling believers. That is always going to be the priority. Still, God calls us to stand up for his righteousness. Matthew 6:33, Jesus says uh, that we are to put uh, the kingdom of God and His righteousness first, and then everything else will fall into place uh, in our lives. God will meet our needs. But we are to stand up for God's kingdom and His righteousness. We're not to just turn the other way and ignore uh, the American Holocaust. Uh, God calls us to help the defenseless. In fact, I'll close with this verse, James chapter 1. And verse 27, James chapter 1 and verse 27, James says this, This is pure and undefiled religion. By the way, the Bible doesn't teach that you get saved by religion. Okay, Religion is man's response to God. Basically what it amounts to is, after a person is saved, how should that person then live? Okay, So good works are produced by saving faith. That's the problem with the world's religions. Uh, they're trying to save themselves by works when works were never meant to be the means of salvation. That's the product of salvation. But James says, This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You keep yourself unstained by the world. You don't partake in sinfulness. But then you also, besides the priorities of prayer, worship, God's word, evangelism, and discipleship, 
you help the helpless. I don't think there's anybody more helpless right now in this world uh, than unborn babies. Therefore, we need to educate others. Uh, if God leads you to, take part in peaceful and legal protest. Uh, uh, Pam Tronson, uh, uh, Kathy, my wife, and uh, myself, we, uh, we at times will march at the, uh, walk up and down the street by the abortion clinic. And uh, right here in, in Bremerton, there are babies being, being killed uh, uh, just off of uh, Wheaton Way um, in, uh, in our own uh, town. Uh, but peaceful and legal protest, voting pro-life. You have the power to vote. And in almost, almost every case, the pro-life candidate almost always agrees with us on 95% of the other issues as well. And for us to just not show up at the polls, uh, I, I, I think is a real slap in the face for the church. But violence is not the answer. The guys that are killing abortion doctors and that type of thing, it's the government's job to bring God's wrath on the evildoer. If the government's not doing it, it places us in a real tough situation. But violence is not the answer. Uh, those who are killing abortion doctors are actually setting back the pro-life movement and in the end more babies will be killed because of it and it would not surprise me in the least if some radical pro-abortionists would eventually if they haven't done so already uh, infiltrate our ranks and and purposely uh, take violent do violent acts uh, just so that it'll be blamed on the pro-lifers but in the end, when everything is said and done, we have to preach the true God to our nation and to our community. The true God is a God of justice. The God who has said, thou shalt not kill. We've got to preach that God of justice, but at the same time, he's also the God of forgiveness. He's the God of a second chance. My wife and I, we are so grateful that God is the God of a second chance. There was a time in my life I never thought I'd be behind a pulpit preaching from God's Word to people. And, you know, I was too busy doing stupid things and hurting people. But our God is, the, you know, He's not, he's not the God. He says, you know, what did you do for me yesterday, Fernandez? What did you do 10 years ago, Fernandez? What did you do 30 years ago? He's the God of the now, He's the God of a future. He's a God who can forgive us of our past. And so we've got to proclaim the God of justice, but also the God of a second chance. We've got ladies out there that are hurting and going through all kinds of emotional problems, and many of them are suicidal. And many of them have had all kinds of diseases because of the abortions that they've had. And these ladies need to know that there was a carpenter from Nazareth who could look at a sinful woman and could tell her, Lady, if you just ask me right now, I'll give you a little water. There's people that need doctors. You know, I can look at an abortion doctor and I can think, Man, you know, this is another Adolf Hitler, a state-sponsored professional killer. But i got to remember that the gap between my righteousness and his righteousness is much smaller than the gap between God's righteousness and my righteousness 
yet God still saved me. And so, if Jesus loves that uh, pro-abortionist uh, doctor, then uh, who are we to not love him? And so we've got to preach a God of justice, but a God of forgiveness, for our God is the God of a second chance. And we've got to uh, tell people, you know, murder is murder. And I was arguing with a lady once, the sub-base police arguing on the abortion issue, and she got almost demonic. She started screaming. There was a whole bunch of guys who were all in the shooting range, and she heard me speaking out against abortion. She got ticked off and started arguing with me. And finally, I referred to it as murder, and she just went ballistic. She got almost demonic. And then after a while, I looked in her eyes, and I realized this lady is, is defending something that she's done. And so I didn't know what to do, so all I did was I said, you know, and I said, you know, and if there's ladies out there that have had abortions, you know, God's in the business of forgiving. God's the God of a second chance. He's the God who loves us enough to save, that, to save us right in the midst of our sin, but then he leaves us too much to leave, loves us too much to leave us there. And he'll wash us and he'll cleanse us and make us more and more like, like Jesus every day. Okay, let's close with a word of prayer.